1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2. All right, let me just set my time here because I, I want to make sure I'm cautious of your time. Um, I'm known to go over, so I, I am going to be uh, gracious to you guys this morning. Let me pray right quick, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this week, Lord. It's been a, it's been a tough week, um, but your grace has been sufficient for me. And being able to show me what, a, what love looks like. And show me what it means to abide in you. And I pray that what I was able to learn and, and, and grow from this week, that I would be able to share that with my brothers and sisters today. I pray that we would come out of this place more established in you. That we would love you, but not stopping there, but it would cause us to love one another. May it shape us. So God, I ask that you would work in our hearts this morning, that we would see love, and you are the purest form of love, and how we love one another. So we ask for this time that you would bless it. Spirit, speak, teach, rebuke, um, do your work, Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Today we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 14. I'm not sure where that is in the Pew Bibles, um, but it's, it's there somewhere. Um, so 1 John, unless someone has a Pew Bible that knows the numbers, shout it out. 10, what? 1021. All right, cool. What does it mean to love someone? That's the question that I had asked myself all week. What does it mean to love someone? Somehow the song, what is love, baby, don't hurt me, kept coming over and over and over in my head. And I was like, stop, it's, that's not what I'm trying to go with. But in some ways it does. He's saying, what is love? Don't hurt me. If, 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 if love is something good, it shouldn't be something bad. What is love? What does it mean to love someone? Right? Marriage folks, we should know what that looks like. Right? People in relationships, we should know what love looks like. How would love cause us to move? When we love someone, how would that cause us to share life with people? How would that cause us to serve one another? Those are questions that this week I was having myself ask, how do I love people? I had to define what love meant. What is love? And when I was looking at it, the, the Webster's Dictionary defines love as an assurance of affection. An assurance of affection. That is what love is, is knowing that you have this affection towards this person and you're willing to do something for this person that goes beyond all measures. Time and no matter where they're at, you're willing to serve and love this person. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has, can you think back at any time in your life where you experienced a deep, deep love from someone? Truly a deep, deep love. I know for me, I have countless times where if I was to look back, I can see times where I've been loved 
and my family has been loved, that it's caused me to cherish the opportunities I've seen people come around me or my family. And it drove me to joy and satisfaction in the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you too can experience, say, I have experienced that this morning. Or maybe this morning you're, you're saying, I, I really haven't experienced much love in my life. If you take notes this morning, my main point is simple, clear, and clean. Abiding in Christ causes us to love one another as shown to us and commanded, and commanded by Christ. So I'll say it again this morning. If you are taking notes, my main point is simple. Abiding in Christ causes us to love one another as shown to us and commanded to us by Christ. We're going to see these in three different ways. Three different points I'm going to have to really hit home my main point. Number one, abiding means we keep his commandments. Number two, abiding in Christ means we love one another sacrificially. And number three, abiding in Christ means we have the assurance that we are in Christ. Let's look at chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse, uh, verses uh, 3. I'm going to read this here. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he, which he walked. And when he says he walked, we're talking about Jesus. Walks in the way that Jesus walked. John calls us to see three things in verses 3 through 6. He wants us to see three things. He wants us to say, see that, one, truth matters. Truth matters. Who you believe in and what you believe in matters. Two, doctrine matters. Again, what you believe in matters. And three, obedience matters it's not just enough to know the truth and know what we believe in to be truth but we need to obey what it is that we know to be truth verse 4 it says whoever says i know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him the opposite of truth is a lie to someone to say i believe this to be true I believe Jesus to be true is to say that I am going to walk and abide in that. Well, if you're living the complete opposite way, well, then that makes you a liar. And that is what John is saying here. To abide in Jesus is to live in the truth. He is the light in darkness. John talks a lot about light and darkness throughout 1 John. Again, we've established that darkness means wickedness. The wickedness of this world, the wickedness of our own flesh, the wickedness of sin. To abide in Jesus is to live in the truth. Jesus says in John 14, 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To abide in Christ is to walk in light and not in the wickedness of this, of this world and the sin that so easily attracts us. To abide in Christ is to keep his commandments, is to know what Jesus said and do it. John 14 verse 13 says this. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, but not just his disciples, but to us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does it mean to follow his commandments, you might ask? You might say, okay, I get that. But what does it mean to follow his commandments? Well, it means that we take Jesus at his word. And apply it to our daily life. Listen to what he says in, in, um, in, verse, in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And then later on he says, but whoever keeps his word, but whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this that we may know that we are in him. What does it mean to follow his commandments? It's simple. John does not complicate his letter. John is sweet, simple, and gets to the point. He says, you want to live in truth? You want to live in the opposite of darkness? You want to abide in Christ? It means you walk with him and trust his word. It means to love our neighbors. It means that we love God with all our body, our hearts, and our soul. It means that we love one another. It means that we hate the darkness and pursue the light. Verse 6 in 1 John says this, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Now I want to be very clear. What this passage is not saying is that your salvation is based on works. It's not what John is saying. Your salvation is based on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Your salvation is based on the fact that Jesus made himself available. He willing to forgive his sins so that you can come to know him. That by faith, by faith, we can have salvation and eternal life through him. This is not what John is saying. But what John is saying is obedience is the fruit that is being produced when you walk with Jesus. Fruit is the obvious marker of I am living a life obedient to Christ. Otherwise, you are a liar. Otherwise, you are in darkness. If you claim to be in truth, you will follow the one who called you to believe and obey his commandments. Simple. If you are in Christ, live his example. Do what he says. Do what he says. Which leads to my second point this morning. If you're taking notes, abiding in Christ means 
loving one another sacrificially. Let's look at verse 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. The command here, John says, is love your brother, right? John, John is saying, listen, obey God in all his commands. Obey God in all that he's called you to obey in him, right? That's what it means to abide in him, to, to be in him, is to, to walk in this way, in this manner of walking in the light. But he holds on and focuses on this specific commandment. Love your brother. Now, he says, this is a commandment of old. And verse 7, beloved I'm, right, uh, beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment. So it had me wondering, what, is, what was the old commandment? What did the old commandment say about loving your neighbor? Well, it took me to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17 through 18. And this is what it says. This is the Lord speaking. You should not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Verse 18, you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Leviticus chapter 19. Okay, John, I'm able to follow that. I get that. I get that that's an old commandment and still effective to us today. But then John threw a curveball this week at me and said, but this is also a new commandment. Verse 8, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So I'm like, what does that mean? How is it a new commandment? Well, then... The Lord brought me to John chapter 13, verse 34. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you. And this is Jesus speaking to his apostles, to his disciples. He says, to you a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I loved you. You are also to love one another. So not only does John say it's a new commandment. But John is just saying what Jesus said. Because in verse 34, that's exactly what Jesus says. So how is it a new, an old commandment and yet a new commandment? Well, I think there's two reasons for that. One, Jesus renews the old covenant. Verse 8 says something interesting. He says, John says, at the same time, I... At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, 
But he says this word. He says, he says, because, this is very important, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So John is saying, listen, this is the new commandment I'm writing you, because darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. What does that mean, John? Well, it drove me to John chapter 1, verse 9. His letter in the gospel, he writes, The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. It made me think, John, what are you saying? You're using the exact same language that you did in the gospels in this letter. And what John is trying to show us and point us to is that Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus establishes the new covenant. He is the new way that we will see all of scripture that points us to Jesus. All scripture points us to Jesus. And so it isn't a new commandment and yet Jesus reestablishes it and says it is a new commandment. Because I am the new covenant. I am the one that is shining in darkness. I am the one that came to this world. And number two, Jesus is known to take something and take it to the extreme. And I was reading John 13, 34. And I noticed something that Jesus says. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. It's a new way of loving your brother or sister. It is a self-sacrificial love that calls you and me to follow in his footsteps. It is a self-sacrificial love that calls us to love one another. I want us to consider when Jesus told his disciples this. In John chapter 13, when Jesus says, love one another like I have loved you, he was washing the apostles' feet. He was on the road to his death. Jesus loved his brothers and was willing. The king on the road to death to stop and love his brothers. To set a new commandment and establish us to love one another John says in verse 10, 1 John, he says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. There is no cause for us to stumble if we are loving our brothers and sisters like Jesus called us to. Self-sacrificially, willing to put someone else before our own selves. Willing to look to them and say, how can I serve and love you is radical love. We live in a world that demands if I, an exchange. If I give you this, you give me this. 
Jesus is saying, the love that I have called for you is a love that doesn't expect anything in return. It is a love that's unconditional. This love is unique in its call to the church. What does it look like to love? Does it mean that we wash our we wash each other's feet? Maybe. Maybe. But it made me think practically here at Edgewater Baptist Church. How do we love one another? Right? John is writing this letter to the church. I am preaching this to the church. How do we love each other here? Maybe you're visiting here. How do you love your brothers and sisters and the church that you are a part of? Let me ask you a question. I want, I want, I want, to, I want to do an exercise. I want, someone, I want you guys to look to the left of you. Look to the next person, to the, the next person next to you on the left side. Now to the right side. All right? I want you to look at each other. Do you know that person? Do you know his or her story? Do you know the person that you sit with on Sunday mornings? Do you know the story that he or she has? Are you willing to listen to their story? We can't love people unless we know our people. We are called to know one another the way Christ knew his disciples. Do you pray for one another? Well, to pray for one another is to know what which each, us, each of us is struggling with. Do we take time out of our busy days to love our brother and sister, willing to take a time of our day to pray for one another? How do we actively serve in our local body? How do we actively serve? Part of loving the body is actively serving the body. Is saying, hey, I see the needs. I want to address those needs. I want to be the hands and the feet of Christ in the church. I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but I am calling you to see what does it look like to abide in Jesus. These are things that Christ has called us to. Let me ask you another question this morning. Are you a member of EBC, of Edgewater Baptist Church? Are you a member of the church that you probably go to if you're a visitor here? You might ask yourself, well, what does that got to do with love? To be part of a church is to make a covenant promise that you are accountable to one another. Mark Dever in his book, uh, Why Join a Church?, writes this, to simply put it, when you are saved from sin, you are saved into a community characterized by fellowship and accountability. 
loving one, loving each other, not only cause us to serve and cause us to find ways how we can fulfill each other's needs. That's crucial. That's important. John sure says that. But it also calls us to be accountable to one another, to walk in the light. Loving one another isn't just about service, but a call that calls us to pursue Christ together. Iron sharpens iron. To be part of a church, to say, I have made that covenant relationship with the church. I have committed to a church It's saying that I want you, my brothers and sisters, to be in my life. I want you to be the nosy neighbor. I want you to call me out when I'm in sin. Because that's love. When I call you out and say, brother, you're living in sin, sister, you're living in sin, is love. The opposite of that would mean I don't love you. I hate you. Because I don't call you back to truth. Verse 11, John says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We've established that darkness means wickedness. To be in walking in the dark is to be walking in wickedness, is to be walking in sin and not in the light. What can cause hatred for our brothers? What can cause hatred for our sisters? I was reading James chapter 4 verse 1 and he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Maybe sometimes it's hard for us to serve or call one another to walk in the light. Because we're so busy with our own passions at our own, in our own lives. We're so focused on us that it's hard to focus on others. Maybe we're hiding because we are living in sin. We are actively living in darkness. And we don't want the light to expose that because we're afraid of what that might be. Brother or sister, let me, let me encourage you that God is good and faithful to welcome you back to this family. Brother and sister, let me encourage you that wherever you are at, God has placed you in a church body that we will love one another to Christ. Not to guilt you or to hurt you, but to establish and love you and point you to Christ the light in the darkness. We are the very, we, we, we are the people of the kingdom. We will spend eternity with each other for the rest of our lives. We will, that, this is the, what the reality. We will live with each other forever. Why not now pour into each other? Why not now walk in light of the gospel together. Why not now walk in purpose, loving one another, serving the king? First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, 
Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. I had a commentary this morning. I mean, not this morning, a couple of days ago I picked up and I loved what he wrote about this specific verse. In chapter, First Peter chapter 4, he says this. Truly, what sins can be committed when one is in a conscious state of loving God and each other with deep love? Can you hate while you love? No. Can you strike your brother? Can you lie, cheat, or steal when you believe in God and love him? No, we must suspend love and even belief in order to sin against God. To believe in him is to love him and others. To love him is to obey him out of joy and peace. To be in darkness is to walk in wickedness. But we are not in darkness and our assurance is in Christ. This morning, if you are in Christ, let me assure you that you are in light. You have trusted the one that you can stand firm on. And therefore, you don't have to doubt who you are. Yeah, if there's sin in your life, confess it. If you need to walk along with your brother and sister, there's never a time not to do that. There are practical ways to do that. Call each other up. Meet each other up for coffee. Enjoy dinners together. Serve actively in the body. Be part of what we do on Wednesday nights. That's a great way to know someone. Pray for someone. Hear their story. Help them pursue Christ. My last point is... We love, my last point is, we abide in Christ because of the assurance in us. Verse 12, John, John wants to affirm his listeners. He, he wants to say, listen, I want you to know who you are. I want you to know who you are. This is why you can love your brother, or your sister. This is why you can pursue light because of who you are and the assurance of who you are. In verse 12, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. These are truths about who you are. John uses the word children and father and young men. It, it, it seems to refer, when, when John is writing this way, that he's talking or suggesting specific people groups in the church. 
Maybe fathers, he's talking to those who are more mature in the faith. Maybe young men, he's talking about the younger people in the church. What John is saying, regardless of where you are in your faith, you can be resting assured that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Rest assured that you are people of the light. Verse 12, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. 1 John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If you confess, he is faithful to forgive you. If you sin, he is faithful to forgive you. Your sins are forgiven because of his name's sake. Verse 13, I'm writing to you fathers because you know who is from the beginning. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. Jesus came into this world so that he would be the perfect lamb and the perfect one to take our sins on the death of the cross and give us new eternal life in the resurrection. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. John chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. I write to you, fathers, because you know it's who he is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Church, abide in Christ and love one another as shown to us by Christ. Abiding should be joyful, should be exciting to do. We should look forward to ways that we can do this together. He has rescued us and given us eternal life. And therefore, we can have the confidence that he will be the one. We can have confidence that we have an assurance that's like no other. And with assurance like that, with knowing who we are in Christ... We can look at each other and know that each and every one of us belongs to him. And this family that God has saved for himself, he wants us to actively love and joyfully serve one another. So church, my, my last words would be love one another. Love one another like Christ has loved you. My main point again this morning Abiding in Christ causes us to love one another as shown to us and commanded by Christ. Abide as we keep his commandments. Abide in Christ as we love one another sacrificially. And abide in Christ because we have the assurance that we are in the light and not the darkness.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you, God, that you have called us to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved us and established us, not just for ourselves, but for the body. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would, we would take what we heard today and, Lord, not put it in the back and just go on with the rest of our days. But, Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would cause our church, Edgewater, to be a church that points to the glory of God by the way we love one another. Lord, I pray if there are people in sin who are stuck in the darkness, Jesus, would you expose the light? Would they come to the light? May you use brothers and sisters to do so, that the love, love would cover a multitude of sin. Lord, I ask that you would be with us. Gracious King, let us be people that walk and talk like you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the way that you will shape us this week, how you will use us this week. Um, Lord, establish us this season and what it looks to love. Amen.